I think in those two years, that showed me that your impact doesn't need to be big and glamorous. It just needs to be authentic and intentional. Hey everyone, and welcome to Sports Arty Snippets. I'm Liz Waluka, a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you a sports dietitian guest that will share advice, insight, and rewards of the profession. Snippets of their own career path to becoming a sports RD. Hey everyone, welcome back to Sports RD Snippets. Hope everyone's doing well. I know it's been a while. It's so good to be back. I feel like everyone's been super busy and I feel like we're feeling life kind of wind down a bit if you're in the collegiate setting. It's finals week, but it's also like bowl season. It's basketball season. So I guess you could look at it a lot of different ways, but I'm excited to be back. And yeah, Lisa just has such great advice. If you want to become a major league baseball sports dietitian, work in the minor leagues, just such an insightful episode, regardless if you're interested in baseball or not. Uh, Obviously, we talk about what it's really like to fuel a team during the World Series. So Lisa just has an incredible story, and I'm really excited for you all to hear it today. Lisa Clark began her position as a major league sports dietitian in February of 2022. Lisa serves as a nutritional resource for the Astros players, coaches, support staff, and medical staff. As part of her duty, she coordinates and executes nutrition programming, which includes medical nutrition therapy and performance nutrition. The athlete's progress is monitored and evaluated by combining their individual blood work, body composition, supplements, and hydration plans. Lisa oversees organization of home and travel nutrition and catering, assists the Astros head dietitian with the development of department policies and procedures, and supervises the AAA minor league dietitian. Prior to her position as a major league dietitian, she served as a AAA minor league dietitian apprentice for the Astros 2021 season. In this position, she oversaw the AAA minor league athletes' nutritional needs and individualized fueling plans, as well as organized home and travel nutrition and catering. Before working with the Astros, she was the director of sports nutrition at Lamar University, serving as a dietitian for 15 teams competing at the Division I level. Prior to Lamar Athletics, she served as a primary sports dietitian for the Spirit Squads and assisted the football dietitian at the University of Texas at Austin. Lisa earned her bachelor's degree in nutritional sciences from the University of Texas at Austin and completed her master's degree in sports nutrition at Auburn University. She is a registered dietitian licensed in the state of Texas and is a certified specialist in sports dietetics. Let's jump in and let's meet Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Liz. Thank you for having me. I feel so humbled. I'm excited. I am so excited. What does it feel like to be a World Series champ? How many weeks has it been? What day is it? It's real. I know. Actually, I was just looking at that. I think um, November 6th was the last game. And and yeah, I mean, I guess it's been almost a month. Like, it doesn't feel like time has passed that quick, but I guess it has. (laughs) And so it's so amazing. And uh, the team, the guys are really great. I just, I loved working with them. They were honestly such a great group and so competitive and driven. And they were just, they had a good dynamic. I think that that was what really was fun to be a part of. So they kind of act like a family, which is sweet. 
Oh, I love that. I, I remember I was watching the game and I was like, I was watching my dad. I was like, dad, there's Lisa. She's jumping. I, was, I feel like anyone who was watching that game that like knows you, that was like, oh my God, that's Lisa. Yeah, I got several like, <laughs> you know, when you pause the TV screen and you're just like, whoa, that, that was like not a good pause moment. <laughs> I got some of those texts coming through just oh being like, God. congrats. Like y'all are, I see you on TV. I'm so excited for you. And it was really, really, really cool. And um, yeah, Dusty, he's so fun. He's just the guy that knows everyone in every city and he has all of the food connections. He's such a foodie. It would be so funny. We'd go into these different clubhouses and he'd be like, hey, I know a guy and he'd like bring in random food and he'd share it with everyone. And so we were just like, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was so fun to celebrate that for him, like such a cool milestone. And um, yeah, we were, we were just living on cloud nine, but something you never like dreamed about, or was it like, did you always want to work in like major league baseball or like, you know, how did it happen? Yeah, I can't say that I always wanted to. I mean, I think that this opportunity and the timing, I know we talked about it, it just kind of fell right in the right place, right time. And, um, we actually, my husband and I had, a, we moved to, to Houston in 2020 at the height of COVID. And I was like, there's nothing. My, I was like, all hope is lost. And just kind of between making connections and wanting to stay, uh, just searching for growth, it, it happened. But I will say like now working in baseball, I don't want to work anywhere else because I just am in love with the sport. I think the nutrition challenges and the growth that MLB can have for sports nutrition is so exciting. So I'm really hopeful and um, wanting to continue on. So it's, it's cool. Amazing. But yeah, I'm excited to kind of dive in and learn about baseball, especially in, you know, that type of environment. Um, but yeah, anyways, I'm excited to jump in. So um, before we kind of get through Fueling the World Series and um, a lot about your job, can you take us to your career path up until this point where you started and where you are today? Yeah, of course. Um, so I went to undergrad at the University of Texas in Austin, um, but I didn't go into college immediately thinking I wanted to be a dietitian. Um, after a few twists and turns, I found out, yeah, nutrition is really what I wanted and got my uh, registered dietitian certification through the coordinated program at UT. And in my internship, I rotated three weeks with Amy Culp at Texas Athletics and that was absolutely where my love for sports nutrition was born. I never felt like I really fit in any dietetic realm until that point. And I just remember never wanting that rotation to end. It was, it was so fun. And I learned so much and I felt challenged um, intellectually, which was, which was really cool. So sometime later, like during my internship, there was an entry level position that was posted at Texas Athletics. And it was just a one year, like random position donated by um, someone and they basically had it structured where it would be full-time primary sports dietitian for the spirit squad and then I would assist the primary football dietitian and I applied and I was like this is what I want to do and hadn't even like passed my RD exam yet so they were Amy like really took a chance on me <laughs> with that one <laughs> and I think I actually had like 90 days to pass my exam and so I remember flying to USC for the game and I was studying on the plane trying to like pass my RD exam in this new job and as you can imagine in athletics it's like all chaos so we were just 
having a blast and I was learning so much. And um, that job was so foundational in my growth as a professional personally. Um, and then in that time I was engaged and I got married and I knew that my husband's job was going to be where we moved next, just by the nature of it. And it was either going to be Midland, Texas or Houston, Texas. And I was vividly just embodying and picturing and hoping for Houston because I knew if I moved to Midland, it was going to be very challenging to uh, move in my career forward. And so when I found out that we're moving to Midland, Texas, I just was absolutely devastated. I thought my career was over when I really had only had one job, <laughs> you know, so it never really actually started, but I just was being, I was just crushed. And um, I think in that time, like I realized what a sacrifice it was. And my husband has been so supportive of my career and it's been amazing, but I think marriage, the lesson was marriage doesn't necessarily mean sacrificing your dreams, uh, but it did teach me patience for sure. So moving out to Midland, I just kind of had two options. I was like, okay, I can either quit and do something else, or I can continue to seek my professional growth. And so I actually got connected through mutual friend with the JUCO team out there, the junior college, the Midland junior college baseball team. And it was amazing to be able to have that as an outlet for my passion, because I was meeting with them weekly, able to teach and educate the guys there. Um, and so I, I did that. And then I also decided to get my master's in sports nutrition through Auburn. So it was completely remote. And I did that. And between those two things and working at Texas, I was able to sit for my CSSD exam. So I passed that. And around this time, COVID hit. And my husband's job had layoffs. We didn't know if we were going to be staying or transferring. And then we found out we were getting transferred to Houston. And so that was like light bulb hope. I was terrified because I knew I would be jumping into a really competitive pool of intelligent dietitians. And, um, but I was excited. I mean, I, I think I took the approach of, I want to learn, I want to grow. I haven't really had the chance to sit under a veteran sports dietitian. So I wanted to kind of capitalize on that opportunity moving to Houston. So when I moved there, I mean, the first thing I did um, was really just reach out to a bunch of Houston sports dietitians. And some of them answered, some didn't. But to me, it was more of just, okay, I want them to know that I'm available. I want them to know that I'm eager to learn and just kind of let it be. And so looked through the job board, found a job as the director of sports nutrition at Lamar. And I was there for maybe six months. It was a very, very short stint. And that was a hard but um, good lesson in that I realized I didn't really have the skill set to be in an admin position as a director. I was really looking to develop my skill set as a practitioner first and um, my clinical skills. And so it was it was challenging too because I was the only one. And I was just, I, I thought that my growth would not progress as much as I wanted in that position by myself. So I kind of was like looking on the side and that's when the minor league position for the Astros opened up and by my reaching out and making connections when I first got to Houston, like kind of a year earlier, um, that connection helped open the door for an interview with the Astros. 
um, with my supervisor at the time who um, now is working at the University of Washington. But I was super excited because I knew how intelligent she was. I knew how much practice she had um, as a veteran sports dietitian, and I just wanted to learn. And so she eventually left to go to her position now and my job opened up and here I am as the major league dietitian of the Houston Astros. So long-winded, but I will say like that whole journey just kind of, I mean, I didn't really, I don't, haven't had a ton of full-time jobs as you can um, hear and, and surmise, but I think your connections and the work you put into the jobs that you have really can carry you to where you want to be. I love how you mentioned the outlet of working with the JUCO team um, in Midland, because I think I can see how that is so devastating of just feeling like, oh my, like I'm not moving somewhere where there's a bunch of opportunities, but just an example of, you know, that's not, doesn't be your main opportunity or like income, but just that, what would you even call it? Like not experience, but just that thing to keep you going. Yes, like it's just it so important that. in a time that like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like you're the main character at the time. It's like helping you get to like your center stage, you know, yes. you're going to be. No. And like, I think that was the most um, surprising stop you could say in my, uh, in my career path, or at least just my journey so far, because I found my love for baseball. It was like completely volunteer, but oh, I was wow. able to, so it was, was like, before, like, that wasn't like you were trying. So that's, Wow, that's actually that's incredible. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I literally <laughs> was kind of like, hey, let's meet, let's talk about. It. So I went to practice. I like, and it was it was very like I at the time too. I was I was putting the word out while I was getting my master's degree to people in the community of, hey, if you want to, you know, talk about nutrition, if you want counseling, you know, medical nutrition therapy, you know, I offered all these services and was building my kind of private practice, you could say, I would say it's never really taken off, but it's, it was just a way for me to develop my skills and, um, and, and make some money on the side and <laughs> keep myself busy. But I think in those two years, that showed me that your impact doesn't need to be big and glamorous. It just needs to be authentic and intentional. So I just was really like, um, I, I learned the culture of baseball. I was pushed in my supplement knowledge. They're always asking about random things on the market. And I was like, this is absolutely not safe. You shouldn't take this, <laughs> but um, it was fun. And they were a great group. Very cool. What about moving from like collegiate to professional? Or is there anything you took from the collegiate level that does kind of work at the professional level? Or did you feel like it was too, has it been like two different worlds? Yeah, I think that the major difference is the professional, they are literally only focusing on that one sport. They eat, sleep, breathe, like it's their job. So, I mean, that's kind of a difference between major, major league and minor league is major league has a union. So you're working with them and all of the changes that you recommend. It's very much a conversation rather than like, hey, this is what we have and this is what you can get, you know. Um, and they also have... Uh, the CBA, which is the collective bargaining agreement, which dictates certain things we have to provide in terms of supplements, food, um, just even, even clubhouse offerings. So going beyond nutrition, but reaching into equipment, ATC, strength, kind of stuff like that. So it's more businessy 
would be probably a good good way to put it but overall humans are humans and your knowledge can still be applied and you can still make a difference and you still see your impact when guys go to other teams we had a trade guy that went to the Braves and and I remember when he came back and he was just like I miss you like how are you doing we started we talked about food stuff and so it's it's the community of baseball is really small too um, in that you see some of your same players as they move to different teams maybe or um, get traded yeah just various various things we might be getting a little ahead of this, but would you say most people um, that work in Major League Baseball, is everyone starting at minor most most likely, or do you recommend that in order to really understand, you know, how it works in major or what's kind of, I guess, what's your perspective from seeing both? I think, um, honestly, minor, it's from, are you like from the athlete side, them being able to see that you have seen what they did in the minor leagues Interesting, because they are like grinding. You guys should follow minor league grinders. It's in a, it's an Instagram account. It's like, <laughs> it's really demonstrates just how much they sacrifice personally. Um, and the resources gap between major league and minor league is really big. So what I learned is just kind of that those guys in, in minor league really, appreciate you taking the time to acknowledge like their grind because when they've like quote unquote made it um a lot of what they learned and and how they developed they took and solidified in minor league so that's why I would say like major league guys for the most part like are are professionally developed like they have their prep routine their strength plan their fueling plan I wouldn't say it's perfect by any means but um the nutrition changes I recommend are smaller and impact more than performance. Um, the major league guys are like dads and they have families. So yeah. it's, it's really precious. And I'm looking to like take care of their general health too, rather than just focus like on minor league and their like development. Um, so it's a little nuanced, but seeing, I think too, like me being in minor leagues, that was a rapport building thing for a lot of the guys and they they appreciate kind of that I already had a knowledge of what they've been through what they go through rather than just coming in and um, but I think for the most part like even if you didn't have minor league experience if you take the time to sit and observe and just be present with them and hear what they have to say that goes a long way and regardless of what sport you're working with uh, just acknowledging them as the human before the athlete is is really cool was the transition pretty easy going from my minor to major or is it like oh I didn't like, expect that or is your day-to-day -day of like job responsibilities the same or are you doing more like not more food service I know most it's a lot of food service but you know what's it yeah I think that it's it was interesting because like the minor league guys, um, they are looking for like every piece of knowledge or insight that can positively impact their development. Like they really could get called up. And the team that I worked with is 
one step down from major league. Okay. Are you familiar with like the farm system or how that I can totally walk you through that if, if you if you're not is that like triple A, double A or no? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the Red Sox, the Paw Sox. I forgot the other one. But. The names of the minor league teams are are really actually awesome. So they went from I worked for the Skeeters. That was what their name was before. And they actually got rebranded when the Astros bought it. And they're now the Sugarland Space Cowboys, which is pretty cool. That they're sounds so league. fun. I know. I know. <laughs> Wait, what and is Sugar Space Cowboys? That sounds like a so I bought my father-in-law this like Skeeters jersey and it's literally like got Hawaiian flowers and it has little like mosquitoes all over it because <laughs> like in Texas we call mosquitoes Skeeters so they yeah, yeah. oh my gosh you didn't know <laughs> I'm Wait, from I'm Texas I actually haven't lived anywhere else other than Texas random fact about me I, no we don't do that here in the <laughs> well it's very like Wait southern a terminology very so it's like get that skeeter you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> kill that dog and run away is what i would say hey i would too um they that was so fun it, that was like oh i can't even remember what i was saying that was so yeah fun. what are we talking about oh the, sorry triple a double a the farm you call it oh farm. yeah yeah okay okay so it goes major league triple a which that was the team i worked with double a high a low a and then there's like gcl fcl teams gulf coast florida leagues it's different if you're if your complex is in arizona our complex is in florida so we have like gulf coast league florida league um i actually think they did away with gulf coast it's just fcl now but um so the triple a guys are really close to the major league in that Cool. They have to really stay ready at all, all the time because the minute they get called up, their major league debut is a really big deal. Like those moments and the subsequent moments impact their future career. So that level and the lower levels too, they're really just trying to find their prep routine. How can they gain and maintain muscle mass? How can they appropriately fuel their bodies so that they're, you know, not cramping? So that they can have energy, they can hit harder and run faster. Um, all these things contribute to their potential to get called up and be in the major leagues. So um, I think it was just really unique working for them because the minor league teams are so, they're just, they're looking for every single piece. So they're just so like hungry to grow. And the major league guys are like, okay, hey, we kind of like, we know what we're doing, you know, but I'm also like, it's not perfect. You could improve in these little areas. So the changes are smaller and the games are way more high intense. So you can't really recommend anything that would throw off their pattern too much because they like seeing a direct benefit on the field there. If they can correlate, okay, Hey, this is what she recommended this is, I hit a home run or, you know, I, <laughs> I, whatever, whatever happened, I, I like hit 99 miles per hour, like on my pitches, they immediately are like, okay, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. And so obviously like that's the incentive, but you're, you're wanting to improve their stats, which you can improve them to get paid more, which can improve like their overall like success at that level. Um, and, and the, the, more, the, like, money, the money part is so interesting. I've only worked in collegiate. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we have NIL now, but it's like not directly, you know, it doesn't impact like 
the dietitian, obviously. So it's just interesting to think like the value of your recommendation to have them play better, to get paid more. I mean, I guess that could work for NIL too, in the sense, but I don't know if our kids are thinking that far out, <laughs> but um, that's like crazy that like your career is, yeah, it's amazing. I know we were um, one of the hitting coaches actually translated some data for uh, one of our utility guys. He basically painted the picture of if you gain X amount of pounds, that's going to increase your exit velocity by X miles per hour. So you can make X more dollar bills. And he was like, cha-ching. So he just <laughs> gained weight. He was like, that was my motivation that I needed. And I don't know if that's necessarily like the approach I would take, but I think that being able to collaborate with not just me, but talking to hitting coaches, strength coaches, ATC, like each kind of field maybe has a different impact on the guy. And if they say it in a certain way, maybe they can convey the information in a way that clicks with the athlete better than I can, which I'm totally cool with, you know, as long as we're all saying the same message and it's a message of factual evidence-based nutrition, the guys are getting what they need and they're able to get to whatever level they want, which is the world's best. And yeah, the world series. So <laughs> anyway, it's working out pretty well. <laughs> How do you optimize your body and maximize your mind to get the most out of every day? You need the right fuel and you need Momentus. Momentus offers high quality lab tested next generation sports and human performance products. One of their best selling products is Momentus Omega 3. Omega-3 is a daily fish oil supplement designed to optimize intake and most important omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA. Their fish oil also contains a minimum of 90% triglyceride bound omega-3s, the form of omega-3s found naturally in fish and most easily absorbed by the body. The digestive enzyme lipase is also added to further improve bioavailability. Go to livemomentous.com and order omega-3s and use the code RDSnippets20 to get 20% off their products. That's R-D-S-N-I-P-P-E-T-S-2-0. Thank you so much, Momentous, for sponsoring this episode. Well, that's a great segue into the World Series because I was kind of wondering, you know, we all see on TV and, you know, people just might be watching and, oh, like they have a sports dietitian. What's something people don't see on TV or more of the behind the scenes of like what it's really like to be an MLB sports dietitian, especially in the World Series? Like, is it really, really stressful or is it like I've been here before? Is it, you know, every game we do the same thing? What's kind of the behind the scenes? It's, it's, um, it's really stressful. So one but it's kind of funny though, because every game is the same. There's such a routine to baseball. Like they do the same thing every day. And I find such comfort in that. It's really nice. But then when you get to the world series, the stakes are just that much higher because October baseball is totally different. If you catch a team and they're coming in, you know, September, like pretty hot, that's good because they're, you know, making contact with the ball. They're pitching like faster. I don't know. All these things kind of add up to having success in October when maybe if you were a really good team back in like June, it might not, it might not matter. So I think them just keeping that in mind, things can change really quickly from being successful to not. Um, So I really just, I, I think it's hard to 
it's hard to be like, yeah, everything is more stressful when you're doing the, act, the actual same thing. But I think in that stress, the routine is forgotten. And so we actually had a guy that was cramping really bad because of the stress. Like he just was like kind of overwhelmed and he couldn't really figure out a routine that would work. Even though I'm like, I'm like, we, I literally sat him down and I said, you, this is a 7 PM game. What have you been doing this whole season to get ready for a 7 PM game? Walk me through it. And so we just kind of like went through his day and I was like, how can you mimic that? Like what would make sense for you to do now? Um, and, and he, he thought about it and he named like two things, three things. And I was like, okay, let's do one. Let's figure out if this works. And then we just kind of like kept building on it every day. So we were really working together daily to make sure that he had a good routine that kept him fueled, hydrated, but made sure it didn't like mess with his stomach and his nerves just because um, that was his first time really playing in the world series and everyone's watching and you feel, you know, you feel like the stress of every play needing, needing to, to count. And I don't think a lot of people realize how mental baseball is. You were really staying focused for a long period of time but there's also downtime so you kind of like get ready for the play and then you and then you wander or or do things and it it's led me to really appreciate how if it's it's a it's a combination of if you stay too focused I'm I'm really getting sidetracked on this this question but you're doing a really great job keep going (laughs) (laughs) um it's like an interesting uh dichotomy of if you take yourself too seriously and you're locked in for the entire seven months, you're going to burn yourself out and you're not going to be able to be successful because think about football, you know, they have one game every week. They prep that one game and those one games matter, but with baseball, it's like, okay, there's 162 games. So you have the like freedom to, okay, you have a bad game. We got another one tomorrow, (laughs) you know, and I think that's where you really realize the world series switch because yeah, you're doing it every day and it's the same thing you've been doing, but the mentality is different because you do have to win like X amount of games of a series. And there was one game in the ALDS when we played 18 innings, like mind you, one game is nine innings. So this game was almost like seven hours long. And this was one, this is like the frantic thing that no one saw behind the TV. (laughs) I was like calling people wondering if we could get a post, like a post-game meal because the food safety was starting to become questionable. Like at that point, (laughs) I'll never look at like a game over nine innings the same. I'll be like, the dietitian must be trying to reconstruct post-game. No, really though, like it gets delivered and the timing of the post-game meal, like we, we try and aim for a specific time. Oh because God, I never cool. thought about that. I'm, I've don't really worked too I've never really worked that close to baseball in my life, honestly. It's the games. You never know when they end. Like you could have Justin Verlander pitching when he's like, all right, two, two hour game, we're done. Or you could have someone else pitch where they like take a little bit more time to like work on the mound. And, and I don't, I mean, this probably isn't the only thing that makes a game go long, but I, you know, it could end up being four hours long. And so you're just like, okay. <laughs> I don't think I could do yeah, that. It was, I could not do that. 
I know it was zero zero literally until the 18th inning. And at the top of the inning, Pena hits a home run. And like, I have my little mini, like eight ounce smoothie shots, like running to the dugout. And I see him like hit the home run and I'm like, yes. <laughs> and it's just like, finally, you know, we see the hope that, okay, we can win this game, but like more importantly, the game's ending. <laughs> that, like more importantly, the food is hot and ready to be served. No, at 18 I never thought of that like, ever in my life. Oh my like, god, I'm, I'm worried to hear about like an overtime. That's probably like five minutes. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy though. No, but that was I think that's like I don't think there's been a single 18 inning game, actually. I mean, there probably has in history, in the history, but like in the World Series, or not World Series, but in like the postseason. Um it's just, it was madness. Like, I just remember everyone, equipment, ATCs, SNC, like we were all just like running stuff to the dugout. I was like bringing snacks, like strength staff were assisting me with like hydration stuff. We were like, no one's cramping. We're going to win this game <laughs> and we we're going to leave Seattle. <laughs> you guys, did you win or did I miss that? Yeah. Oh, we actually like we swept them. So we won two games and then we were like, see you guys later, which was, it was nice. <laughs> especially after 18 days what was the meal what was the meal that was coming Sorry, oh my I gosh no I love I actually um so everything kind of like ended up getting overcooked because it was just sitting in the hot box <laughs> but, but if you win I feel like it's like then the food it's like who cares you know it depends. Exactly. it depends most of the time it's like ah. yeah exactly they were like I mean I had sushi too and that was super fresh um and I just like we, we pulled it out of the fridge and everyone like crushed the sushi because it probably was the only thing that <laughs> looked appealing. But um, yeah, I was trying to get, I mean, that's what was crazy too, because I don't know what, I mean, this is not my decision to make. I'm glad this is not my decision to make, but they actually shut down concessions in like the eighth inning. So if you can imagine like three hours later, people are like probably still drunk and starving in the stands and like there was no food anywhere like <laughs> this whole episode is about like an 18 inning game <laughs> I was like <laughs> I was really calling everyone like I was even calling the in-house sometimes there's like an in-house cater usually that can help out in like a last minute situation like that and they were like um we're already at home we left for the day I was like ah this is not gonna work out <laughs> that is crazy what is a typical game day like in the World Series? Like, what's a typical fueling day? Is it like you wake up? Is it just like that regular schedule? Or what's the difference in the World Series? Yeah, I mean, kind of like I was mentioning, just like the stress and tension are so much higher. And it just means kind of the focus and routine of a normal game for some guys is thrown off, uh, like the cramping situation. But generally with like a 7 p.m. game, most staff, will arrive at noon. Sometimes if it's a World Series or like a more intense game, they might show up two to two hours earlier than that. But players usually get there around 1 p.m. So when I arrive, I'll start and I'll check the arrival meal to make sure it's good to go. Everything's out and, and ready. I'll make any individualized supplement drinks that a guy might need. An example would be like a starting pitcher's hydration mix or um, injury nutrition. And then I'll use this downtime before the guys arrive to check in with our strength coach, our ATC, get updated on any like prep routine changes to determine if I need to change nutrition interventions. And usually these changes aren't 
dramatically different, but it would update, update me on like potential fueling needs. So once the guys arrive, that's when everything really like kicks off. I'll make my rounds with like the position guys first. I'll check in and just kind of uh, just see how they're feeling, you know, check in with sleep, energy, stress, and it's really like chill time when they, when they first get there and their, and their arrival meal is big because there's still so much time between eating and when the game starts is they'll really get a good meal in at that arrival meal. Is that at noon? Is that at noon you were saying? Yeah. Like um, around, yeah. Like one, two. I mean, once the guys get there, like it's kind of like a late afternoon, like lunch, like they'll usually, because they have families, a lot of them will like take their kids to school um, have breakfast and then um, maybe go back home, sleep a little <laughs> and then come to the field, you know, and eat again. And then they'll get their day started. So they'll go hit in the cage. They'll get a workout in, which I thought was crazy that to know that like guys are lifting and playing a game like the same day. So energy, I mean, it's not like a lift where you're like in a hypertrophy phase, but like they're lifting expending energy and I think with to circle back on the cramping situation like ensuring that their carbohydrate stores are chopped back off or is really is really crucial but um that all happens and then once the lineup is posted I can really hone in on anyone who kind of presented red flags in my conversations earlier and so I'll do like a circle back and quick check in with them nutritionally and we'll discuss anything that they might need in order to get them on the right track. And then um, they'll go and do batting practice, um, treatment, anything that they might need, just kind of get their body loose. And then there's a pregame meal, which is usually two hours before the game. And it's surprisingly like a full meal. And it's comprised of, of course, carbs, protein, little cooked veggies, the games are long. They require quick energy bursts. So it's important the guys stay full, feel, stay full and fueled, you know, all the things. So I'll have smoothies too at this time. And they're usually utilized in different ways uh, to meet like the different energy needs of the different positions. And I'll make the snack boxes at this time. And then like an hour before the game, I'll put all of that out on the bench. And some of uh, our clubhouse assistants will take stuff to the bullpen. And then the game starts and that's when my nerves set in. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so interesting. The two hours before, cause I feel like, you know, it's yeah. like general three to four hours of, um, before, and then like hockey does like six hours before, like, you know, it's really interesting. Is the two hours, like, is that usual majorly? Cause, um, I mean, in baseball, because the game's so long. Yeah. It's, it's more timed, like around batting practice. The, oh. home, the home team will take batting practice like two, three hours before like first pitch. And then if you're a visiting team, it's one hour before like first pitch. So the window to eat is bigger when you're at home, which is interesting because it makes guys routines different at home versus on the road. So their, their eating might change a little bit in terms of like snacking and fueling if they're on the road, just because of that smaller window, they're less likely to eat that bigger meal at that time, even though the same things are provided. Um, because it's, I mean, like the position guys, so they have to get ready and be out on the field, like right when first pitch starts, 
the bullpen guys have kind of some time. They usually have their routines like starting in like the third inning. So they can eat maybe like a, a heavier meal two hours before first pitch, but they might not necessarily have to pitch until the sixth or seventh inning. So that gives them a little bit more time to digest. So I think, you know, in the minor leagues, that's what I realized that I loved is that there's so many different pieces and positions that you can work with nutritionally and it embodies the concept of nutrition is not one size fits all because you really can individualize everything, even if you're in the same like quote unquote position, um, just depending on what your body needs and when you're playing. Amazing. I feel like I've learned so much. I love this. On to our next segment, the Q and A. Um, I, I asked everyone on Instagram what they wanted to ask a World Series champion, Major League Baseball sports dietitian, what questions they had. So we had a, we had some great questions. So we're just kind of, I'm going to ask Lisa what you guys submitted and we'll just take it from there. So the first question that was asked was, how do you deal with a language barrier when working with certain athletes? That's a great question. We have actually probably 25 to 30 guys that are Latin American. So they're from Dominican the Dominican Republic, Cuba, Puerto Rico. Um, I think those are the, and Venezuela, those are the main ones. And generally speaking, the further up they are, like in the minor league system, you, it, it does benefit you to be bilingual. Like I think the ability to communicate with a younger 17 year old Dominican who's just moved to the U.S. is much more challenging than someone who's kind of been in the system and maybe in the major leagues when, you know, they have family and they're older and their ability to speak English is a lot um, better. So I would say like, it just depends on where you're at on, on how you might need to tackle it. But at least within the Astros, like there are a lot of staff members who are fluent and are very willing and able to help you communicate. So it's really nice in that I'm like, Hey, like, do you have a moment? Like, I really just want to sit down with this guy. Like, let's take some time. And they take time, which is really nice and <laughs> help me. I, I have learned a lot of Spanish in the past two years working for the oh, Astros, wow. which is great. And I hope to continue. I wouldn't say I'm fluent, but I think that the guys really appreciate my desire to learn and understand their language because they're taking the time and present in a country that they're not familiar with maybe as much. So we actually have at the major league too a specific translator like he that's literally his job and so he will he can translate for me and in my situation he usually translates for media uh, mostly but um I, I think too, there's no shame in using Google Translate. <laughs> I would say if you haven't used Google Translate at some point, you, um, you're you missing that resource for sure because there's the ability to just speak into it in English and it'll speak out Spanish, which is insane. That is so cool. I think that's really good to hear because I think sometimes people feel like, oh, like you need to be bilingual. I know. I, this off season, I'm really trying to learn more and watching telenovelas because telenovelas are really, they're very emphatic and they use their hands and body language nonverbal a lot. So you know what they're saying without hearing the words usually. Yeah. So hearing those phrases over and over can help solidify the language in your brain. 
Very cool. The next question was, I don't know if you're allowed to tell us the team's favorite dugout snack, but like, is there like a one go-to that everyone like loves or like anything specific to, I don't know, the Astros or maybe just baseball in general? Yeah, I think it's interesting because going from, going from collegiate to professional, a lot of these professional athletes like haven't been exposed because some of them did go through college, but some of most of them didn't, they just kind of got drafted when they were 17, 18. So they aren't familiar with the sports foods like honey stinger, um, like Gatorade chews. They love like bananas and fruit snacks and <laughs> just stuff that's like very, um, like they love pretzels and they like foods. I know I I know and they love goldfish like our bullpen like loved goldfish and so I was just like okay here you go but we um got Altuve he loves like the cookies and cream honey stinger waffles so we started doing those and we started doing bobo bars they love the bobo bars oh I do like those bars they're really good yeah the the honey stinger specifically like the fruit chews like those choose they were just like crazy about so the sports foods definitely were like a new hit but like go-to classics bobo bars bananas goldfish yeah nuts a good, a good nut mix too <laughs> that's important this yeah. <laughs> and then the last question was like what's your best advice for any entry-level sports dietitian that wants to work in major league baseball um, yeah, this is a really good question. Oh, yeah, I think, it's not like so rapid fire, like, like, no, take your time. <laughs> no, I think this is a really good question because, um, once you get to MLB, I mean, obviously you're, you're very like specialized and you're working with just one sport. Um, but my best advice would just be to be patient and keep in mind, you're probably going to have to make sacrifices. So like I spent a year working in minor leagues, which opened the door to the major league team. Um, but like full disclosure, I applied to the major league team in 2020 when it was first open, like when my supervisor got it and I like now looking back, I'm like, wow, I I'm glad I took time in the minor leagues because I feel like I wouldn't have been ready for the intensity and, um, just, I think the stakes are higher in major league. So you're your ability to like be on and be on all the time, like needs to be really, really sharp. So I think my interleagues is, was good. Um, just segue for me and, and, and different opportunities can provide different things. So waiting for the right one to open up and being aware of culture and like where you need to grow and what support you feel like you have from your, uh, direct supervisor can really help um, make a splash and make connections because like I said before, baseball is a very small, uh, small group. We are very tight knit and mm, you can, you can make a lot of good connections, which I'm thankful for and in our little group of MLB sports dietitians and minor league ones too. Like we're rapidly growing. Yeah. Join us. No, baseball is like definitely, it. baseball is like a, definitely a group for sure. It's fun. It's, it really is rapidly growing. I mean, if you look on the job board right now, there's a lot of opportunities with different organizations. So it's exciting to see for sure. Well, thank you to everyone who submitted their questions. We appreciate it. And now we're moving on to our next question. What about like 
the hardest lesson that, you know, you've had in your career, like anything that was really hard or just kind of helped you gain perspective or maybe that you appreciate now looking back? Yeah, I really, really love and hate these questions. (laughs) I really do. Like they, I think, make you think and they really humbled me looking back Um, because I think my hardest lesson really is don't pretend that you know everything and don't pretend that you don't need help. I think this is an unpopular opinion because of the fake it till you make it kind of thing, but I really think it's okay to not have all the answers. And I think it's also okay to not be able to do everything. I missed some key learning opportunities because I let my ego get in the way. And this field is growing constantly in the evidence and research. I think it's just better to stay curious and be authentic because if you're faking like you know something, people pick up on it and you can win people over by just being authentic and saying, hey, your question matters to me and this knowledge matters to me. I'm not sure yet. Let me ask people who do know, let me do this research and I will get back and let you know what I find. What about best lesson or anything like any, not like tagline, but just anything that just kind of sticks with you? I think the best thing I've learned is like this job can be so much more than just sports nutrition. Your impact can be felt by athletes years down the road if you care about them as as the human. I just quickly learned that I didn't want to just be good at my job. I wanted people to know that I cared about them and I wanted them to excel and succeed. Yeah, I think people forget too, like, and like, maybe it's like, oh, like I want to like win the world series. I want to like, you know, work with the best team, but I think best experiences are like working with those teams that you become a genuine family. It's Mm -hmm. not really about the ring. The ring's beautiful and the ring's really pretty, but it's, it's just those memories that just stay with you. I feel like are just so priceless or. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. You think about success when you're younger in a different sense. And it's, it's not everything that you didn't think it was, but it's, it's actually, it's better actually what you think it is, but it's just interesting what you think yeah. is your dream and then what is really matters, you know? I was like actually bawling. Like when we won, like, I was like, I'm not going to cry. And I got on the field and I just was like, like, I just got so emotional because I was just so proud of them. Everything that they'd done, all their hard work, it just came to this like beautiful conclusion. And I just remember locking eyes with Altuve and like, he just had tears in his eyes. Like he was just like, like, like it was like holding back, like just elation and joy. And it was just so pure. And we just had the biggest hug. And I was just like, I'm so proud of you. And he was like, thank you for all of you, all that you've done this season. And it was just, I just am never going to forget that moment. You know, like that's, that's why we do what we do to make people better and help them succeed. It was just so amazing. So cool. <laughs> it was so cool. All right. On to the rapid fire round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Favorite ballpark that you've been at or that you guys have played at that um, you like? <laughs> what am I? Seattle. Oh, I've never been to Seattle. Yeah. I mean, the Yankees is cool. Seattle. Everyone talks about Yankees, but I think Seattle's like the vibe is just so fun. Everyone talks about the Yankees. Yeah. I don't know. Either that or the Dodgers. They're like, oh, wow. We're Red Sox fans. So we don't talk about the Yankees. Oh, (laughs) okay. Fenway. I love Fenway though. It's really small. Like 
the, the clubhouse is really cramped because they're trying to add they were trying to add a bunch of stuff oh wait i've been in the we played a football game there which is really yeah in, when i was at uconn actually funny story uconn played bc at fenway park in 2017 um and so the locker room was the i guess the locker i didn't know where i was yeah. but i remember walking down like the stairs with the jerseys i got pictures of yeah that's so funny that it didn't look awesome. like a baseball field when you're out there because it was like they made it a football field but yeah i've been there i've worked a game there i guess wait that's so cool <laughs> why do i forget about that i don't know no i mean five years later i was there that's so crazy capers or no capers Ooh, depends on the dish but i'd say capers really yeah it's like do you have a least favorite food like i feel like a lot of us don't like you're just like nothing's gonna be like that upsetting us is there yeah i really can't say that i i guess maybe sardines <laughs> so that's my view on capers i think capers ruin it. i think capers ruin it i do not want you in my pasta i don't want you on my bagel i don't want you <laughs> i just wanted everyone locks. very important i think capers add something to the salmon locks takes away my amazing <laughs> bite of salmon and cream cheese on my bagel with locks and cream cheese i don't want it <laughs> but like that's the only thing i was like what do people think about capers but i'm always like ew good question let me tell you, I wouldn't be like, let's add capers to everything, you know? Are you pro, pro caper? <laughs> Anyways, in sync or Backstreet Boys? In sync. So it's really okay. like one or the other. Yeah, in sync. I just, I like both of their music. So it's like, just like a 2000s vibe. But what's your, do you have a favorite song? Space Cowboy. Wanna be me. <laughs> we started like singing. <laughs> so good I actually like I think that's how I realized I like NSYNC better is because I don't know of any Backstreet Boy song I wanted that way you like didn't even like oh okay that. yeah okay everybody's back no that's that's NSYNC right yeah but can you sing it for me because I'm not or it's like Backstreet's back all right <laughs> Oh my God, we're back again. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I just lost like so many. That made my day. That made my but day. In a, okay. The next one. Oh, what do we need to know about Houston? I don't think I've been. I don't, I've happened. I've Houston, maybe a layover I've been. Any food that you could possibly want from any country, you could get it in Houston. That's what I love about Houston. It's so culturally oh, diverse. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of my friends actually had this world map and she would literally kind of like throw a dart and her and her husband would be like, okay, let's get food from this country. And they'd throw the dart and wherever it landed. It's like that hot. Yeah. Yeah. So like, okay. But it doesn't have any of the Disney magic but that's okay no, I didn't know like <laughs> I don't mean to go Houston to Epcot but I don't think I'm <laughs> Epcot like really what like I, I feel like when you're younger it's like let's go to Disney and I probably wasn't until I was 18 I realized like Epcot was like all around the world and like I think I'd love to go back and like have a fun time around the world. yeah I feel like Epcot I mean from when I went before COVID it was so nice to just try everything all in one place like that yeah. concept is so like cool. study abroad yeah. Houston or Epcot, you can <laughs> come to Houston, come hang out with me. <laughs> Will you travel when you guys play the Red Sox? 
Uh, yes, I'm definitely like, calling you. Let's do it. Is this the schedule out or no? Yeah, no, it is. Let me look. <laughs> Wait, I think it's actually in August. I think I looked at this because I was so excited. To talk to Boston. I think we're playing each other back to back. So it's like Boston will come to Houston first and then we will go to Boston, I think. I love Boston accents. The clubby there, he just made my life. He would always you say- You can really accent. hear it. Like, it's so funny. Actually, I say um, in college. Yeah, but we don't like go around saying like, shout out, like no one says. But like when I used to be like, do you want to come to my room? Like I would say rum, like want to come to my room? Oh my gosh. But now I, now I feel like I'm forcing it. But room, we say, we say rum. We just say it like faster. I need some That's of that. I think it's amazing. When are you coming to Fenway Pack? We're so coming the 28th of August. <laughs> have you heard a lobster roll yeah I actually so that is a fun thing about baseball because we're traveling to all these different cities they're like Lisa we have to have the food of that city oh, so we always gotta do lobster rolls we always gotta do clam chowder it's like the best thing ever that's so cool I love In that Maryland, we did a crab boil it was fun so cool all right ready for the last question ready Okay. If you could tell your younger Artie self one thing, what would you say? I would say be patient, accept and seek to fill the knowledge gaps that you have and don't let your ego be your amigo. That's what I would Whoa. say. What did you just say? Don't let your ego be your amigo? Yeah. And it's throwing oh, cool. in Spanish, you know? Well, they, Dude, where did you get that from? That's really cute. I don't remember where I caught up, where I got that, but I, I think I actually saw it on a shirt, to be honest. And I'm like, I'm going to say that for the rest of my life. So you think of like the Skeeters or the... No, seriously. Like, I think I should make a shirt. Don't let your ego be your amigo because it's so true. Like, I'll catch myself and I'm like, okay, pump the brakes. Like, is the, is the goal getting accomplished? No, it doesn't necessarily have to be your way. And sometimes just if you wait for things to like settle, it all works out. And don't stress. It's like a good self-check. I, I, yeah. Self-checks are good. Yeah. Don't let your ego be the amigo. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for being on today. This was just so inspiring and it's just so fun hearing about your experiences. So thanks. It was an absolute blast talking to you and I always love catching up. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Have a great rest of your night. You too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Sports Artie Snippets. I hope you found our conversation helpful today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Share the podcast or tell another Sports Artie to be or sports dietitian about it. If you can rate and review the podcast, it really helps the show and is much appreciated. Remember to follow along on Instagram at Sports Artie Snippets to see what Sports Artie guest is featured each week. I'm super excited to bring on my upcoming guests, so stay tuned. I'm Liz Waluka, and thanks so much for listening.